Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley. And this is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler-free. Today we are talking about Season 3, Episode 6, Too Shy. It originally aired, uh, what's 11? November... (laughs) Third, 1995. It was written by Jeffrey Fleming. I believe that's the first time we've seen his name. Yes. And directed by David Nutter. We saw his name two episodes ago. Ah. This episode is basically the 90s version of online dating. I was in chat rooms in the 90s. So was I. This is nothing like what that was about. No. But it's like what online dating from TV would have been like. It's the lifetime version of online dating. In this the 90s. is this is what our parents were like. Don't trust anybody on the internet. Yes. No, I didn't mean it was actually. I just yeah. meant it was what people were thinking it was going to be. Right. And I, now, and I, now your parents just trust everybody who posts anything on Facebook. I was getting ready to say <laughs> nearly exactly that. In the 90s, it was, don't trust anything on the internet. Now it's like, have you seen what I saw on freedomeagle.facebook? There was a minion picture on it. (laughs) So that means it's definitely true. The minions were at Jan 6, and (laughs) they're patriotic heroes. Yep. Were they all there, or was it just the ones with two eyes, or the ones with one eye, or the ones with goggles? Do they all have goggles? I have no idea. I don't know anything about the Minions. Me neither. Jamie Loftus knows Uh, (laughs) a lot about the Minions. Other than they helped uh, the Zodiac Killer. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. The cast. We have Timothy Carhart as Virgil Encanto. Ooh, I am so excited for you to say what he was in because definitely recognize him. And like the guy that Scully went on a date with, he gives me vampire vibes. He was the violinist in Ghostbusters. The Oh, yes. He did the nasal spray. I remember him. (laughs) I didn't see him. I didn't see anything where his character was an obvious vampire, but I was like, oh, you'll dig the Ghostbusters reference. Yeah, he's friends with uh, Dana. (laughs) And uh, Bankman's trying to woo her, and he's just standing off on the side, and they do a quick shot of him, and he's just... Nasal spraying himself. Right. <laughs> it's pretty funny. We Great have, movie. We have Catherine Paolone. Paolone? Yeah. As Ellen Kaminsky. She was Diane Cooper in Alien Nation. Oh. She's also somebody I, I know that I've seen. She's in a lot of different things. I just picked one. Like that... one episode of a bunch of stuff? Yes. Day player. Yep. Yep. And she has a named part in about half of the things, and she has just a part part <laughs> in the other half of the things, like mother or whatever. But yeah, she's been in a lot of things that you've come across at some point. Gotcha. James Handy as Detective Alan Cross, who sucks. <laughs> he is Milton Briggs in Arachnophobia. Saw that movie one time. That was enough. I was terrified enough of that movie without having seen it. Yeah. Which is the way that I like to do some things. Just be afraid of them? Yeah. Like Chucky? Yes. <laughs> and then I see him and laugh through him. I bet I can watch Arachnophobia <laughs> now and just giggle. You can do that on your own. Or be bored. It would be one or the other because of how old that movie I've, is. I, I vaguely remember giggle. John Goodman being pretty funny. In it. 
oh yeah okay john goodman's in it yeah i think i would just giggle through it and just be like why was i so terrified of this yeah i will just be terrified of it okay maybe i'll just watch it on my own carrie sandamersky is joanne she is in a lot of things also but the part that i found that she is a regular in is a tv show called the killing she is principal mayors not a show i've seen me neither but she's in a lot of episodes of it i can't even think of who joanne is i think it's the um the neighbor the oh is joanne the neighbor i was thinking it was the landlady because i don't uh, have the landlady's name okay it might be the... well <laughs> aloka mclean as jesse is joyce crawley in are you afraid of the dark oh here's nice. a bit of trivia about her she played a blind girl twice in the x-files as jesse landis and in The Miracle Worker, she play she played Helen Keller. Okay. Yeah. She is not blind, which is why she played that, and that's why it's called acting. Oh. <laughs> All right. Cleveland, Ohio. Night. Cleveland. I keep running into a lot of people from Ohio. When we were in France, we were there with the Ohio group. It was mm-hmm. Florida and Ohio. Last episode was Florida. Now we're in Ohio. Ooh. On my camping trip, it was me from Florida, and one of the girls was from Ohio. Wow. It's just Florida, Ohio. There's a third one, but I can't think of it right now. I'm just thinking about how many times I've shit on the city of Cleveland on this podcast. Well. And now we're here. Here we are. And I'm so excited. Great. I'm happy. I love Cleveland. Cleveland I, rocks. <laughs> I think that's the, the song you have to put on the soundtrack. Or uh, the playlist, right? Could be. A man and woman talk in a car. Against a romantic skyline. The most romantic skyline. Never seen anything. Cleveland is beautiful. This is pre-Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This is the most romantic. Oh, the other Cleveland, Ohio reference was with my uncle. Talking about anybody who's from Ohio. Oh, Oh, what was the (laughs) radio station? I don't remember. Voice of the Indians. But anybody from Ohio will know. Yeah. And they're yelling at their podcast. (laughs) <laughs> if we have fans in Cleveland, good for you guys for sticking through. <laughs> you are real. You are true fans, and you I love you. You are the real ones. Uh, they're sitting in a car talking. They've been chatting online for three months, but this is their first meet. Do you think they went to dinner or anything first, or they just went and sat out on in the car? I assume they went and had dinner. I guess I have no actual opinion about meeting somebody and just sitting and looking at a skyline or going to dinner or any other thing that you're doing. I just assumed <laughs> that they went and had dinner because, I don't know, I think it would be weird to just first meeting, drive out to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, Seems I, dangerous. that's what it is. It's the driving out to the middle of nowhere. Is Cleveland the middle of nowhere? I'm sure there are middle of nowhere Cleveland parts. Probably. There's probably, you know, middle of nowhere Tampa parts. Let's not go there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, the woman is a little nervous, and he's a little weird. I clocked it oh, immediately. I just kept thinking about, I can picture him with fangs. <laughs> Which is not weird in your book. No, no. <laughs> you basically walk around with a filter yeah, in your that, brain. That guy's a vampire. <laughs> they are talking, and she's chatting about a little pendant that her sister gave her. It's a four-leaf clover. And she's saying, I guess it's silly how she gave, my sister gave this to me as a good luck charm and it's pretty on the nose huh mm-hmm. and it's like it's i like, thought it was a nice little pendant i did too i'm like don't be embarrassed by your pendant and also your also your obvious good relationship with your sister yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good 
Go talk to your sister instead of this lame guy. <laughs> she notices a dry patch of skin on his neck, but is too polite to mention it, even as he comes in for a kiss. And I'm not talking, like, a small patch. Because, you know, skin is a lot of the outside of our body. It's, like, all so over. Most, most of it. It's all over the outside of our body. Most of the so outside of your body. stuff happens. But this is pretty gnarly looking. Like, hey, is this contagious? Like, wow. that kind of gnarly. Wow. I didn't know you were like this. Did you look at his neck? Yeah, I saw it. This is their first meeting, and he's People like... People have skin problems. I, I know. I just acknowledged that. Man. What if it was poison ivy, and he had blisters under there, and they were popping actively, and he was oozing, and then he got the poison ivy pus on her, and then she got poison ivy? What if he was a vampire? It just what seems... if any number of things that we could make up? <laughs> that was not what was happening. <laughs> no, but the goo part that I got into my brain was correct. He wasn't gooey. He gooed her. He gooed her. Then she was gooey. <laughs> it's like, is water wet or does water make other things wet? Does water have the property of wetness? Yes. No. Yes, it does. Doesn't. Yes. It confers that property onto other things. <laughs> you broke my brain last episode. <laughs> I broke your brain this episode. Yeah, but you're trying to be sciencey, and I'm like, but the plants are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I can't tell you whether or not the plants in this part of Cleveland are wrong because I don't know. Oh, I didn't see any. Anyway, he leans in to kiss her, and then she starts suffocating because he's a queller demon. He's a queller demon. I don't know what that is. It's from the worst episode of Buffy season five. And did you notice that she's got the goo in her mouth? And she's breathing and, and goes... She, well, and then she breathes out of her nose, and so he licks her nose. He oh, that's what goo, he did! He licks the goo over her nostrils so oh, she suffocates. Oh, wow. That's really good. It is really good. It was gross. Good job, David Nutter. Wow. Or Jeffrey Fleming. Whoever's decision it was. Yeah, that's, wow. Good detail. Yeah, it was nuts. Yeah, because now that you say it, yeah, I, I remember it. Because he just licked it. Yeah. He just licked her nostrils. <sighs> so this is going to be another wet episode, guys. So moist. In the morning, we get the mother of God moment. Mother of God. The Abercrombie model. I wondered, so when I saw this, this cop, for the first time, I went, okay, before there are Abercrombie models, did those guys just beat cops on TV? Is that what it is? Probably. <laughs> is that what their job was? Was he an Abercrombie model level dude? He was. He was a very attractive man. Okay, so real talk. This episode is supposed to be how attractive this one guy is, and I was just so turned off by the whole premise that... I don't know if there was anybody attractive in this entire episode. <laughs> the cop that was had one line that was mother of God. I'm going to have to look up who he was because I definitely didn't have him in our list. So I'll look him up in a bit and we'll see. Okay, so we had to pause to find out who this Abercrombie dude was. And his name is Brad Woodham. And he is known for playing policeman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's also in Millennium, the... Isn't that the X-Files? Uh, it's a Chris Carter thing. Okay. It's a Chris Carter joint. That's what it is. Okay. I was very confident until I started speaking out loud, and then was I lost all confidence. Yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with 
the X-Files. The X-Files, but... Mm, whatever. I'm not yeah, gonna I've it. never seen it, so I don't know. Okay, no, but it did come up before. Oh, it came up before, that's why I was remembering it, in a different X-Files episode, because there was a car that was driven in one of the X-Files episodes that's reused as this dude's car in Millennium. Mm. That's Lance Hendrickson. There he is. We looked it up, even though I said I wasn't <laughs> going to. He's he's really good, so... Guess you're going to have to watch this while I'm watching Arachnophobia. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, well. He plays Frank Black? Yep. Wow. So Frank Black, full-time musician, part-time... Cop. Played by Lance Hendrickson for yep. some reason. All right, so the cop, the Abercrombie cop, finds a grotesque, goo-covered woman in the car. The car from last night has been moved. Yeah, I don't know why he would move it. I don't either. I don't but know how he would move it. doesn't make much... Because she's in the driver's seat. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Weird. Hmm. Yeah. We'll chalk sure. that up to continuity error. Sure. Here's a bit of trivia, though, because we do... We've already seen some of this goo, and we're just going to continue seeing this goo. So... The substance secreted by Virgil and Canto was mainly a veterinary product called J-Lube, mixed with some food products to make it essentially edible. (laughs) Essentially edible? I don't like that phrase. But not very pleasant. So we find out her name is Lauren McElvey. Detective Alan Cross is at the scene after a while, after everybody shows up, and contacts Mulder and Scully. Because they are recommended as FBI experts in the unusual. And this is pretty unusual. It's super goo. So when he shows the agents the body, Mulder digs goo off of her now skeletal remains. He's just like... She's not quite skeletal yet. Yeah, that's true. I guess. But it, she's not decomposing, but she's dissolving. You such a problem with him doing that. It was so I gross. I don't understand why. It was so gross. It's evidence it's so gross it's collecting evidence it makes perfect sense to me for him to do this it was gross uh Mulder asks cross if there was any of this goo on the upholstery and cross says uh no how yeah yeah there would have to be like on the driver's seat right least. her whole body's covered in this goo and she's touching the driver's seat mm-hmm. maybe the goo's just on her front part not for long by the time they get her out of the car front part i don't know man yeah they did say how difficult it was getting her in the bag without her whole body falling apart <laughs> it, was, it was a good throwaway line i liked it it's so gross a few months earlier in aberdeen mississippi four women who'd answered personal ads on the computer no personal ads oh in, in the paper in the paper i wrote a note about this because i want to talk a little bit about personal ads in the paper holy hell how lonely do you have to be to do this you put a personal ad in the paper it's not like craigslist where they just email you it's you put a personal ad in the paper somebody has to be reading all of the personal ads and go i want to respond to this personal ad and then they write a letter to the paper and that response gets put in the paper and then you just keep sending letters to the paper did that really happen yeah that's a real thing or it was a real thing and then it became you know craigslist I guess I always assumed personal ads in the newspaper were actually for sex workers. I'm sure that was a thing as well. Because <laughs> then that became back page. Right. Which seems like a decent way to, you know, put your ad in the paper. But, yeah. Like, other people were actually doing it? Yeah. Hmm. 
That's what, before online was a thing, that was online dating. That's a lot. It is so much work. I am also curious how young I was when I first thought, oh, these are just sex workers. Really? For real? (laughs) Because I've only always thought that. The internet was a thing when you were an adult. When you became an adult. Yeah. So, you had to be pretty young to think that. Huh. It was never an issue. It was just like... Yeah, that's what this is. It was just a fact. (laughs) Maybe that's what it was, and I just read it all wrong. Maybe I'm just naive again. I have no idea. Okay, so we see a chat exchange. The killer, Virgil Encanto, uses the handle Timid. And earlier, when he's talking to the first victim, his handle was Too Shy. The way that they do it with the number two and shy with no space in between, I'd be like... Is this guy an aspiring rapper? <laughs> too shy. <laughs> My name's Too Shy. I'm here to say. Not a whole lot, because I'm kind of shy. <laughs> <laughs> I open up once I get to know people, you know? <laughs> that's, that's why I never took off. None of that rhymes. And he was too shy. <laughs> Well, Timid chats with Hugs, which I think is an adorable computer handle. (laughs) And Hugs is Ellen Kaminsky. So Timid and Hugs are chatting. He says to um, Ellen that he wants to meet. And she's like, I don't know. I'm I'm a little bit nervous about this. And he's, what does he say? What are you going to do? Hide behind your computer screen forever? And I'm like, go back to being timid, dude. Do not like this directness. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, again, you're adding tone to things that have no tone. Have you never read a text and added tone to it? <laughs> no. Why would you do that? Everybody does that. Uh, not me. Lies. I read it in a robot voice. <laughs> it seems less anxiety producing. Yeah. I assume everybody's being <laughs> more aggressive than they probably You really are. do. But in this case, I'm right. No, he's not being aggressive here. Because being aggressive would get her to not show up. So he's being assertive? No, he's trying to be encouraging. Manipulative. Oh, yeah. 100%. He intends to murder this woman. (laughs) But he's not being aggressive about it because that would get her to not show up. While he's chatting with Ellen and trying to talk her into doing something she absolutely knows is not in her best interest, he is interrupted by his landlady. And he goes... Go I'm on the computer! <laughs> now who's reading into the tone? <laughs> His thirsty landlady thinks he's a novelist or an editor. So thirsty. And asks him to critique her poems sometime. Yeah, she is just throwing it at him. Left and right. Oh my gosh. Did you see the package? I know this comes up later, but the package of poems she puts together? They can't all be her poems. So she prints this out, and it's like a novel manuscript yeah it's so thick she tries to put it again this comes later she tries to put it under his door and is the door is like seven inches high yes and it still won't fit under the door (laughs) which is a lot of poems so many poems. she's like don't worry it won't take that long it's a short read it's just a couple of poems they're all about flowers blooming (laughs) (laughs) what do you mean Flowers are pretty. (laughs) Pistols and stamens. 700 pages worth of thirsty flowers. 
<laughs> my rose blooms for thee. Which is ironic because that was part of my rap for Too Shy. <laughs> <laughs> they would have been perfect together. <laughs> would have been. Oh, man. Here's a bit of trivia. The presentation of the character Virgil in Canto went through several permutations, which I'm sure all of them do, but this is, I don't know where this note came from, but okay. whatever. Initially conceived as a creepy Phantom of the Opera-like recluse, and as a butcher who would be able to cut the fat from his victims, mm. before the final, fairly normal-looking version was decided upon. I don't know, as soon as I, I put this in here, because the creepy Phantom of the Opera-like like body language, I could see this guy doing yeah i'm glad I mean, he's they not went. doing it but glad they went the direction they went a butcher who cuts the fat from his victim that's just... not supernatural no that's just a murderer yeah that's just that's sweeney not... todd <laughs> that's not nearly as good of a of an episode no very interesting there's another note in here that i actually think would have made this better yeah okay but we'll get we'll get to it when we get to it so cuyahoga county morgue it is the same day as everything that just happened. It's 4.15 p.m. Although, if you look at the clock closely, you can see that the clock reads 1.20. Wow. What a fucking piece of shit episode this is. Right? I, qu- I quit the podcast. You know what? <laughs> Taking back the Jeez. props to the uh, props department. <laughs> God. Oh. The props department was too busy making everything so goofy and wet. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't look at the clock. I get it. Okay. They were going to change the clock, but then they did things in a slightly different order than originally set. And then by the time they realized the clock, they had the goop all over their hands. And it was just like, (laughs) you know what? It's fine. No one's going to notice. And then everyone noticed. It's the only thing people remember about this episode. (laughs) No. So Scully goes into the morgue. She meets the misogynist, which is that guy whose name I've forgotten already. Chuck. It's not his name. Cross. Cross. I know it started with a C. <laughs> All right, so she meets the misogynist, and he's like, oh, I didn't know you were going to come in here and watch the autopsy, and she's like... He says, oh, it's you. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's oh, you. Oh, it's you. Oh, it's you. <laughs> Which wasn't nearly as well delivered as in our favorite episode Clyde today. Bruckman's yes. Final Repose, directed by David Nutter. I wonder if David Nutter threw it in there. Oh, I bet he did. I bet he did. That's pretty funny. Oh, it's you. But so Cross doesn't realize that Scully's here to observe the autopsy, and she's like, I'm not. I'm going to do the autopsy. I'm performing it. He's like, oh. Oh, you're a doctor? And at first I was like, I mean, that's fair. You met her as a an FBI agent in the field, mm-hmm. and now you're meeting her as, an, as a medical doctor. But then that's the last time I give anybody any credit. <laughs> it's weird that we both give this guy a little leeway. Ugh. It must be something about the actor that makes him... I... It must be. Because you give him leeway here, and I give him leeway in a little bit. Because then he just goes full-blown yeah. misogynist. Like, <laughs> he doesn't even stop to breathe. <laughs> She's like, is there a problem with that? And he's like, well, no, but, you know, the guy who's doing this obviously has something against women. Which is where I went, oh, okay. He's thinking safety. You're a more enticing target than Mulder is. And then he immediately says, So your Your judgment judgment. is off. Your judgment must be clouded. Ah, uh, my exact note. Wow, fuck this guy. (laughs) Yep. And he doesn't get any better. (laughs) No, I'm not being sexist. I'm just being honest. Yeah. (laughs) I love when people say, I'm not being blank. 
right after saying blank statement. Yes. It's my favorite thing that people do. I hate it. I wish they would shut up. I'm not being transphobic. Right. I just don't think those people should exist. Right. What? (laughs) (laughs) Ugh, leave people alone. It's the easiest thing. To leave people alone, yeah. Yeah, it's so easy. You know what you could do? Uh, Literally nothing. You, sir, have literally never met a trans person in your life. You could just stop thinking about them. And this guy could just... Or you could meet a few and then go, oh, wow, I've been a shithead. That'd be nice, but I don't want to put anybody else in... I don't want anybody else to have to do more work than they're already doing for shitheads. (laughs) Like this guy. He finally leaves with his opinions. And the door should hit him on the ass on the way out, but it doesn't. Oh, that door filled us all. Really did. Scully basically just rolls her eyes and starts her autopsy prep. As she speaks into her recorder, and then she realizes that there's goop leaking out of where Lauren's body is. So she walks over slowly and opens up the door. And as soon as she opened up the door, I wrote, Oh, at least it didn't goosh. Because it doesn't, it doesn't just like flow out as soon as she opens the door. Then she slides the tray out, and when the tray hits the end, it goes sploosh. Yep. Uh, and I wrote down, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was so wet. <laughs> it's just the most moist episode. It's, it's not even moist. It's wet. Moist. I don't know why that word bothers people. No, neither do I. That's why I want to say it as much as possible. (laughs) Because what do you want? A dry cake? No. (laughs) Nobody wants a dry cake. Nobody wants a dry cake. What are you, British? (laughs) If you are, hi. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Your food is weird. (laughs) And so now it's just a skeleton laying in (laughs) red goo. It's a skeleton in a jello mold. you got a wet jello. Mold. It's a yes, the jello hasn't stood up yet. Yeah, it's jello before you put it in the fridge. <laughs> so I said, lots of gross decomp in these episodes because the last episode was wet, this yeah. episode's wet, just a lot of wet. Going back to back gross episodes was a was choice. a choice. Yeah. It's definitely a choice. Originally this episode was supposed to air before Clyde Brockman's. Oh, I see. So it'd be wet sandwich. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mulder, in the meantime, learns the man Lauren had dated last night had been communicating with her online, handled Too Shy. Lauren's roommate gives Mulder copies of the romantic letters Too Shy had sent to Lauren. Are these letters chat logs? They must be. Are they emails? I think we've got another case of the writers not knowing how computers work. Yeah. Especially 1995 internet. Although, November of 1995, I believe my Angel Fire website was up and running. Wow. With its Sephiroth and the Flames background and all. Angel Fire. I wanted a website from Angel Fire because I liked the name. That's why I used Angel Fire. Of course! So I'm thinking that these romantic letters were emails. Makes sense. Doesn't make sense to print them out. And certainly doesn't make sense for the roommate to print them out. The way she was talking about this guy was like she was in love with him. Yeah. It was super strange. Like his Italian poetry was so seductive that even this beautiful roommate went right. into him. Oh. Which, let's be honest, nobody knows what these ancient Italian poems are saying. Except uh, the guy. Right. Because he translates them. Right. But I 
I couldn't tell if he was sending them translated or not. Probably not, because, you know, the romance. The right. romance is there in the foreignness. That's what I'm thinking, too. So then basically you're just getting a block of text you can't understand. Well, the poetry part, but he's also, you know, saying things in English. Like, you can't just hide behind your computer forever. <laughs> <laughs> Can you? Question mark? Very poignant. Very and I said, yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> he did not see the future. <laughs> well, okay. Anyway, so, yeah, she has the, the poems, and she's printed them out, and she gives them to Mulder. Mulder calls Scully to say, too shy is their serial killer, because he opened his online account with one of the Aberdeen victims' credit cards. Just terrible Sloppy. Idea. His <laughs> online service. Yes. He signed up for the online service. The verbiage in this episode is great. He's going to send out a localized online warning. Because that's a thing you can do. I I mean, we're doing it now with ads, but you couldn't do it in 1995. (laughs) No. Everybody on this ISP gets an email. Right. Which I suppose you could have done. Actually. I guess, yeah, that would... You could have done that in 1995. Because ISPs were usually uh, local. Okay. All right. You talked yourself into it. I did. Me too. You talked me into it also. So they go back to the morgue. Scully tells Mulder the crime scene goo is mostly hydrochloric acid, which is similar to stomach acid, but twice as concentrated. It also contains traces of a digestive enzyme called pepsin. I went through a couple theories here in this this here scene. Okay. I said I wrote down, oh, insect guy? Oh, stomach guy. He's a stomach guy. He's a stomach guy. He's a stomach guy. Great. I'm glad I'm glad we went through I, all of I landed on stomach. All guy. of your two. Yeah, all of my two. Insect guy, no. Stomach guy, yes. <laughs> the red glop is composed of normal body chemicals, except for extremely low amounts of adipose tissue, which is fatty tissue. And that's what Mulder says. He's like, ah, I know the word. I know this translation of adipose. It means fatty. <laughs> They chat about the discrepancy between Lauren's weight on her ID, which is 165, and her body weight after death, which is 122. So Scully, being reasonable, says, okay, so she lost some weight since she had her ID created. And he says, no, because Lauren was afraid to meet too shy because she'd put on some weight since her driver's license picture. Since three weeks ago. Right, whatever. So I was like... All of these numbers seem reasonable. And they're making a big deal about how he's going after people who are heavier set than normal people on TV. I don't know. So I looked at... <laughs> the cop at the beginning. Right. So I looked it up and I said, how much does the average American woman weigh and how much does the average American man weigh? Okay. So the average American woman, age 20 years and older, is 170.6. So... Lauren's weight on her ID is 165, and the average weight of an American woman is 170.6. The average weight of a man is 197.9. So I would really love to see what's on everybody else's IDs. Wow. They're going to be so wildly judgmental about women. Constantly. Both of those numbers are surprising. Are they? I'm not surprised. I assume the men would be higher. I guess I did assume the men would be higher. Hmm. Well... That night, Ellen is nervous about meeting Timid, all the more so when her friend Joanne reminds her about the general warning the FBI has just issued. Ellen rationalizes that she's been chatting with Timid every day for a month, 
but ultimately doesn't show up at a French restaurant where he waits. She talks herself out of it because she listens to herself and she knows it's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Listen to yourselves. Good job. Encanto is still hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So he finds a sex worker named Holly McLean. It's hard to figure out how often this guy needs to eat. Yeah, no idea. Because it can't be every day. It seems wild because... But then he goes right back to Ellen. Yeah. I guess he didn't eat all of Holly. No, no, he got interrupted. And he doesn't eat cross later. No, he doesn't have enough fatty tissue. I disagree. <laughs> Based on just looking at people they've deemed to have enough and who <laughs> do not have enough. <laughs> he seems like he's in the same range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he finds a sex worker. He goes in to kiss her and she says, no, anything but kissing. Because we've all seen Pretty Woman. <laughs> I, I have not. You haven't seen Pretty Woman? How did you get out of the 90s without seeing Pretty Woman? I've gotten to 2022 without seeing Titanic. I'm not asking about that. I'm asking about Pretty Woman. I'm just saying I'm good at not seeing movies that everybody's seen. Oh, why did I have to watch that movie? It's terrible. It's got a terrible message. Oh. The end. Okay. (laughs) Stop pretending it's a love story, people. Okay. Stop it. Specifically you, now that I know you haven't even seen it. All right. I can't believe how often you talk about how Pretty Woman (laughs) is the most romantic movie you've ever heard of. Can I keep talking about how Thomas Jefferson and Sally Hemings is a wonderful love story then? What is that from? That's from real life. He was her slave. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, I was making a joke, but it didn't land because you didn't, didn't know. No, I'm so used to not uh, not knowing who you're talking about, not being able to picture them fast enough that I just... <laughs> Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> so I just stop listening to names that you say out loud. <laughs> Excellent. You did say Thomas Jefferson. I did. <laughs> yikes, 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 yikes. All right, so anyway, he forces himself on her, and she scratches him and just tears not even the top layer, like his hand in half. Tears all of his epidermis off. It was nuts. It was a good scratch, but he kills her anyway, which sucks. But Encanto, as he's feeding on her, runs, gets chased off, essentially, because there's another sex worker who's coming by with her John, and she goes to see what's happening, Mm. and the John fucks all the way off. Yeah, he's like, I ain't going to jail. (laughs) Which is like, coward. That's what I have to say. Okay. Did anything come up with that name that oh, triggered yeah. you? Okay. Absolutely. So, I wrote down... Okay. What'd you write down? Holly McLean? John's wife? Yep. So, Detective Cross says that the murder sex worker's name is Holly McLean. He also says she wasn't most John's first pick. Exactly. Which, and I went, she was one John's first pick. In the Die Hard film series, Holly McLean is the ex-wife of the franchise's protagonist, John McLean. Well, she's the wife in the first two. That's true. And possibly the third. Yeah, I'm not... I think they were just separated in the third. I don't think Bruce Willis and the actor who played Holly, I think he didn't like her very much. Oh, really? Is that why they were separate most of the time? Yeah. Wow. Because they were separated in the first movie. Yeah. But then they were... They, like, got together. Yeah. And then they were still together in the second movie. And she's not even in the third movie. You, so you think he was just like, no, he, I'm going to continue being yeah, John McClane. She's got to... Get out of here. I know she wasn't in the third movie because Bruce Willis didn't like her. Wow. He calls her at the end, so you think that they're going to reconcile again. 
But then she's not in the rest of the wow. series. <laughs> wow. In the morning, Scully finds all air passages in McLean's body blocked by viscous hydrochloric goo. So much goo. The misogynist comes up and says McLean, oh, he says the line that McLean wasn't a guy's first choice, if you know what he means. And I said, no, sir. What do you mean? Please explain. And he didn't. He just ignored you. He did because he sucks. Yeah. What a jerk. He is a jerk. He's really terrible. And was this actor in one of the Die Hard movies? I don't know. I'll have to look it up. Do you want me to look it up now or later? Uh, let's do now. Nope. No Die Hard, but Silk Stockings. Silk Stockings. Which I I always conflate with Red Shoe Diaries. Right. Which David Duchovny was in. Yes. I don't know why I was watching Silk Stockings at that age. I don't know anything about it. Other than it's not the Red Shoe Diaries. In the beginning, in the opening, it's a woman putting on a silk stocking. Okay. (laughs) Makes sense to me. I think it's also a crime show, because, you know, everything is. Okay. But probably this sex crimes. Oh, cool. Right. Why was I watching that? I don't know. Don't ask me. I didn't do it. So Mulder tells Cross that Tushai's email to Lauren quoted from obscure 16th century Italian poems found only in controlled circulation academic libraries. How does he know that? He can't Google it. (laughs) He asks Cross to compile a list of literary professors and such. Cross, of course, doesn't believe an upstanding man, like a professor, could possibly be the killer. Is that what you took from that? But he looks it up anyway. Yeah, he's like, what? A professor? What? Again, you're adding tone. What? A professor out here with the sex workers? You're just not watching it closely enough. I guess. Encanto, who is a translator of Italian literature, gets a call for a package. He's at his house. He asks the person to leave it, but the guy's like, I can't leave it. It requires a signature. So he goes out to sign for the package. And as he's walking to the front door of the apartment building, he runs across his landlady's daughter, Jessie, who seems to unsettle him. Good. It seems very uncomfortable around her. He was definitely trying to sneak past her. Yeah. Weird. But that seems like he's unsettled by her, which is great. She doesn't like him, but her mother is obviously smitten. Also, I wanted to get done with that so that you could talk about just how long he makes this man wait for his goddamn signature. This is the most patient courier of all time. (laughs) And uh, I just don't have the words for how many times Encanto gets intercepted by other people and just stands and has an entire-ass conversation. He really does. Couldn't be me. Absolutely couldn't be. Especially you can see him through the window. It was infuriating. And for that alone, I want Encanto to die. Okay, <laughs> for making the guy wait. Yes. Eventually, the guy's like, I can see you coming to the door. Can yeah, he you... knocks on the door and says, Excuse me. Can you hurry up? Cleveland PD, 1st District, 10.13 a.m. Mulder arrives with the FBI analysis of the killer's skin found under McLean's nails. There's no match in the DNA database of known offenders, but the report does note the samples contained no oils or essential fatty acids. And if there's one thing we know about the X-Files, if he's not already in the system, that's he's, it. He's not he's if not you a have, guy. If you have not committed a crime, you will never commit a crime. Nope. Here's a little bit that I was referencing or alluding to before. Jeff Vlaming's 
first writing credit for the show, so it's his first time that he's here. His original pitch for this episode was that the killer fed on body oils instead of body fat. Oh, that's... Hmm. I actually like it better. Seems more difficult to pull off. You're just licking their skin? I don't know. But I like it better because it's not reinforcing the insane stereotypes. But they're like, no, we have to have sad fat ladies behind the computer and this attractive man. This attractive man would have to be going after teenagers with acne, though. Just licking people's foreheads. You have body oils in your hands. Teenagers with bad acne have more body oils all over themselves. You know what? Maybe we should stop going after women. The X-Files and all other TV shows. (laughs) But it's so easy. Mulder thinks the killer is, in Scully's sardonic words, a fat-sucking vampire. Mm Mm-hmm. So at least you got your vampire part. Yeah, I was right about something a little bit. (laughs) Happens every once in a while. Cross arrives with a list of 38 names. Scully says she wants to brief the team, and Cross pauses longer than Encanto waiting to sign for a package. Impossible. (laughs) But he, to his credit, doesn't obstruct anything. He just says, yes, okay. He waits for four hours (laughs) to respond. He knows his place, but he doesn't like it. But he knows his place. Good. Know your place. Shut up. (laughs) Know your role. Ellen emails Encanto asking for another chance, which is, which sucks. And at this time is when all of the agents are out canvassing the 38 names. What were the 38? Oh, the 38 names were the professors. Italian and... Yeah. Experts. Yeah. So Cross gets Encanto and goes inside and he's like, hey, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. And Encanto's like, let me give you my creepiest face. (laughs) Ever. Can I ask you some questions? Yes, of course. But first, let me stare menacingly. (laughs) And then we cut to night. Ellen and Encanto have dinner. She's overly apologetic. She tries to pay for dinner after standing him up, but he insists, but she insists, but he insists, but she insists, (laughs) but he insists. And then he says, okay, well, I have to go now because the last bus leaves in 15 minutes. And she's like, oh, you're taking the bus? He's like, yes, my car is in the shop. She's like, I It's can't. a Jaguar. It's really sweet. <laughs> you should see it, but, I mean, you can't. Costs $70,000. Oh, God, yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, have you ever been on a date like that? No, because you don't date men. <laughs> Correct. Everybody who's been on a date with men has had at least one date that's been like that. And you're just like, I don't need to know the price tag of everything. (laughs) Wow. I'm not shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I'm incredibly bored. (laughs) (laughs) That's not, that's not a personality in case anybody doesn't know that. Yeah. On our first date, I only said one thing about my car. That you weren't going to throw me in the trunk. Exactly. I <laughs> promise not to throw you in the trunk. It's true, and he did not. Yeah, I keep my promises. And to this day, you have not thrown me <laughs> in the trunk. <laughs> good, good for you. An upstanding yeah, citizen. Fuck. Basically a saint. Um. Okay, so she tells him that she'll give him a lift home, and the whole time I'm like, no, just let him catch the bus. it's okay buses are public transit Ellen's a very nice lady he's a grown man he'll be fine and the actor who plays Ellen is great yes she is 
She does such a good job with this role. Yes, she does. Uh, while they're at dinner, the landlady comes by with her poems, her 700 pages of poems, <laughs> and tries to jam them under the door that's seven inches above, <laughs> seven inches off the floor. So, like, a cat could run in and out of there. <laughs> it must be living in Florida for so long, but a gap in your door, under your door that big is insane to me. You would just have palmetto bugs You'd constantly. have all of the bugs, always. Yeah, but palmetto bugs especially. And probably rodents, because he didn't have a cat. That's true. So rodents are just like, yay! <laughs> I don't have to squish down too much! Snakes? Yes. Snakes could get in there? Small alligators, probably. <laughs> little alligators? Oh, man. Big spiders and little alligators? <laughs> oh, my God. Together? <laughs> a big spider riding a small alligator? They'd have to walk side by side under the door, but then the spider could get back on the alligator. <laughs> it would be like you and Hoss, how you said that you guys were going to swim side by side yeah. because you're equals. <laughs> yes. We went swimming with horses today, guys. We went swimming on horses today. Oh, that's, well. <laughs> swimming with our... horses sounds like swimming with dolphins. <laughs> like there were just wild horses. There sw- was a dolphin there. The, but the, mm, all right, never mind. <laughs> I understand. I got in the water, though. You did. And I snuggled with my horse in the water. It was adorable. It was. <laughs> now we have to tweet out a picture of it. Uh, yeah, I'll post a picture. You got to stand on Hoss, and I got to snuggle with Jessime. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. It was a beautiful day. Just it, like the beautiful friendship of a spider riding spider, alligator. small alligator. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Let's watch that episode instead. All right, so she can't jam all of her poems under the door, so instead she goes into his apartment. She's the landlady. She's got the keys. She does. She's allowed to do whatever she wants. I don't think that's true. She does go into... She does have the keys and she does just go in. And she's setting her little packet up against one of the bookcases. There's a ton of bookcases in this guy's apartment, which makes sense because he translates Italian. Great. But she goes, like, all the way in. She doesn't just, like, crack open the door and push it inside. She walks her whole ass body inside. Does a tour. Does a self-guided tour of this man's apartment. Yes. There's a part of what starts her tour off, besides being a creep and going into his apartment, she could have just left it in the hall. Also, this is an enclosed building. That she owns. Right. It's wild on so many levels. But then the flies from the last episode show up. Why are they back? I don't know. They must have got a really good bulk deal on flies. <laughs> the flies are just still in the studio. Oh. <laughs> they can't get rid of them. The flies just live there They're now. They're in every episode from here on out. <laughs> the flies land on her packet and she looks at them, which made me think, what does this guy's apartment smell like? Because then that's when she goes on the self-guided tour. Mm. Because at first you're like, okay, the apartment probably smells like old books. One would think. So fine. But when these flies show up, I'm like, does his apartment smell like decomposition or stomach acid? Because then she goes and finds Cross, who's decomposing in the bathtub. By the way, the amount of liquid in there indicates he did have enough body fat on him to feed that guy. Because the entire tub is full. It's a lot of mucus or acid or goop. Goop is good. Okay, so while all this is happening, 
Ellen pulls up to Encanto's apartment building. He's trying to talk her into coming up to his apartment. She's obviously not wanting to. And he's touching her face so much. It's just, she keeps saying no with her with her words and her body language and he's not taking no for an answer but then he realizes that somebody's in his apartment and then he's like oh you know what never mind bye and he runs out and then she feels bad which is another thing that i have a problem with because society stopped making stopped teaching girls and women to feel bad about other people's fucked up behavior yeah but it's realistic I know, it sucks though. It makes me real angry. It's realistic and it might be on accident, but the moral of the episode is you shouldn't. Probably by accident. I think the moral is accidental. Yeah, could be. But I think all of the morals of the X Files have been accidental. Who knows? I don't think this I don't think there is a set moral compass. Yeah. I don't know either, but eventually we're just gonna have to start giving them the benefit of the doubt. No, I'm going to start looking up Chris Carter and see what kind of weird shit he's gotten into in the last (laughs) 10 years. How many times he's been to Epstein's Island? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Watch, I'm going to find out where the moral compass is and it's going to be devastating. Ooh, let's wait till the podcast is over so we don't have to quit. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Encanto leaves. He finds the landlady, whose name I've completely blanked on, in his apartment she doesn't scream, She, but she's gasping. She's shocked, of course, and he kills her. <laughs> During the commercials. Yeah, the commercials come on for Dick's Sporting Goods because it's school time again. <laughs> Probably not, not in 1995. I know, but that's the only commercial that we've seen this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> not because we only had one commercial, but because we've seen it 11 times. Every commercial break. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right, so later Jesse comes by looking for her mom. Encanto lies, saying he hasn't seen her, but Jesse, who smelled her mother's perfume, calls 911. Good for her. Yeah, good job, Jesse. Jesse also knows that this guy's a creep, and she comes by because she knows her mom is thirsty. And Jesse does everything that she can to get herself safely out of that apartment. Jesse's the smartest person in this episode. Jesse's the smartest person in this season. <laughs> <laughs> Clyde Bruckner. Clyde was great. Yes. Clyde and Jesse should hang out. Have a, should have a spinoff. <laughs> when the agents and police burst into Encanto's place, they find Encanto gone, and they also find Cross and the landlady dead. We do get a nice scene of Scully speaking with Jesse. It's very empathetic. It's a longer scene than some of these other scenes have been, but it's really nice. And this this child actor, solid. Yeah. I looked at her IMDb, and she was only active in TV for a few years, but it sounds like she went on to stage. Oh, let's so. go. Stage is where you really go if you want to be an actor. An actor. Yeah. Te- television is a director's medium. Stage is an actor's medium. Jillian Anderson, after the X-Files, went to the stage because she wanted to actually act. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, also did other things because she's got the name to carry her. And the chops. At the FBI regional office, computer science section, an agent restores the erased files on Encanto's hard drive, and it takes as long as it takes. Which was nice. That was the one thing they understood about computers. Right. 
It's not like digging ditches where if you work harder, it'll get done faster. The computer's going to take as long as the computer takes. Yep. Because Mulder's like, how long is it going to take? And he's like, I don't know. It could take a lot of time. And Mulder's like, we don't have time. And he just goes, takes as long as it takes. Yep. Which is great. And apparently it didn't take that long because he breaks the password and the encryption and and retrieves a list of Encanto's online chat room women. Encanto, in the meantime, talks his way to Ellen's apartment. The agents have been told that Encanto is going to New York because when Jesse was trying to leave his apartment, she ran into a briefcase or a suitcase. Suitcases back then were not like our duffels, so I'm not sure if it was a briefcase or a suitcase. It was a suitcase. It was an old-timey suitcase. It was very old because he was probably also from the 70s. Probably. You know who else is from the 70s? That guy from the last episode. Me. Oh, you are from the 70s. I am from the 70s. Look at that. Yeah, so he told Jesse that he was going on a business trip to New York. So that's what she told the the agents. But instead, he's actually going to Ellen's apartment. And Mulder called it. Mulder's like, why would he go to New York? It doesn't make any sense. He said he's above average intelligence. Which he isn't because he used the credit cards from his last victims to get Get his his online service. Right. When he could have just swiped somebody else's card anywhere between Mississippi and Ohio. Or just used his own. Right. Everybody has online service. (laughs) Yeah. Not above average intelligence. But we've already discovered that none of them have so far. (laughs) (laughs) He talks his way into Ellen's apartment. And I said, I, on the other hand, am furious. Because he's like, hey, just let me come in and talk. And she's like, um... No, you made it very clear what you wanted, and um, and no. And he's like, but you actually have no idea. What I want is so much worse. <laughs> and then he says, well, I just want to talk, but I don't want to... I don't want to wake the neighbors. And <laughs> both times, you watched it twice, and I watched it once, but I was in here the first time. And when he said, I don't want to wake the neighbors, is when I, like, tuned in. And I said, wake the neighbors! <laughs> Always wake the neighbors. And apparently our neighbors are awake and standing out having a party in front of our door. They are. So, if you can hear stuff, that's what that is. People waking the neighbors. It's the neighbors having a party. Yeah. In front of our door. They just, it's fine. They do that. I think our neighbors next door moved. No. I haven't seen them in a while or heard the DJ. The agents email a warning to everyone on his list, I guess, at this point, or on the... a list they email everybody in an area localized <laughs> online warning yes and they email a warning and a sketch to everyone on oh on Encanto's list so at that point that was the they had sent out the broad warning and then they sent out this direct warning once they got the women's mm, names yeah. or chat handles or whatever uh, and then they go to check on two women who were unreachable by, by phone so fortunately they're also calling people which is great Ellen doesn't answer, so Ellen is one of the people that they are going to talk to. They're looking for it. And who else? I don't know who else it was. But Ellen has Encanto inside now, just being a creepy creep. And she says something about how she's going to go change since he's over and they're going to have coffee and talk or whatever. So she goes into her room, and when she goes into her room, she gets on online, and unrealistically, it doesn't take four minutes for the internet to connect. Yeah, in 1995, he should have heard her getting online. (laughs) Ding, boom, brrr. Beep, 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 brrr. 
So she's in there, and what she's doing is she's emailing her friend who's across the way, friend Joanne, something coy, which she should have just been like, hey, actually. <laughs> it's Virgil and Canto. Right? <laughs> He's over here, and can you call or knock on my door in 15 minutes and just make sure everything's okay? Because I didn't invite him over, but I also can't figure out how to get him to leave. She doesn't know. But she sends that email off to Joanne and she gets an incoming email, which this is also the time when getting an email was exciting. Yeah. So she opened the You've Got Mail and it is the FBI warning and a sketch of Encanto's hair and then just some guy. A face? No, just a, a, a dude. A vague face? It's a very vague face. The hair is good. The, the rest of it is like, what even is that? We've got to find that picture and tweet it out. So um, we owe people a picture of a horse okay. and a picture of this police sketch. The All world's right. worst police sketch. I don't know. There's been a lot of worst sketches in this. But they weren't police sketches. I guess. They were Bigfoot sketches and Jersey Devil sketches. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So she opens it. She sees it. She looks at it and believes that it's him. And Kanto, meanwhile, decides that he's not going to wait for her anymore and barges into her room while interrogating her. Hey, you're not talking to other guys on the computer, are you? Which is something that your your college boyfriend says when you're taking too long on the chat room. The guy that you also dump two days later because you realize that he's too immature for you and you're still at college, so you've got a long way to go with maturity. This sounds very specific. <laughs> My point is they're too old for this shit. <laughs> okay. So he sees the image on the screen and then he attacks Ellen. Shortly thereafter, the agents arrive and they're knocking on Ellen's door. Joanne comes out of her apartment and says, hey, no, I know she's in there because she just emailed me, but they they can't get in. So then they bust open her door. There's been a lot of door busting in the last two episodes too. Mm. So that's a thing that I've noticed. They must have more budget. Oh, I guess they kick in the lady's door. Mm-hmm. Okay. They find Ellen. She's injured but alive. Scully stays with her to tend to her. No glove Scully strikes again. Yeah. She's just pulling what she knows is acidic stuff directly off of Ellen's face. Bare hands. Yep. Oh, come on. <laughs> Mulder chases a man he sees fleeing down the street, which is when I noticed the guy jumping, or at least landing, in this scene was not David Duchovny. How dare he use a stunt double? Well, I noticed it wasn't him, uh-huh. and then I found this bit of trivia. Oh. This features the first appearance of Steve Kiziak, David Duchovny's stunt double. Oh. I fucking nailed it. Okay. I nailed it. Good job. With my eyeballs. Actors use stunt doubles. Well, I know, but this is the very first you time. broke the case. <laughs> this is the first time and I noticed when it happened. You should be FBI. I am FBI. Female body inspector? Yep. (laughs) God. (laughs) Throwing it way back to the 90s. (laughs) Kiziak was discovered in true Hollywood fashion, coming out of a Starbucks by locations manager Louisa Gradnitzer, who was immediately struck by Kiziak's similarity to Duchovny, both in looks and gait. She shouted after him that she needed to talk to him. Kiziak had just moved to Vancouver looking for work as an electrician's apprentice. And he ended up a stunt double? He got snatched out of a Starbucks because he looked and walked like Duchovny. Wow. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. 
nuts, right? Yeah, because why would you go from electrician to stunt double? They both seem kind of dangerous. In different ways. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Probably the pay. I'm good with wires. That means I can jump off stuff. I don't know. <laughs> All right. you know, the... As an electrician's apprentice, which means he was training. He was still in training. That's a weird career job. It's also an interesting offer that, you know what, is probably pretty cool. Would you say no? Yes. <laughs> would you have said no at 22? Oh, oh I no. <laughs> right. I, I would have okay. been in for it at 22. <laughs> 22, I hadn't broken every joint in my lower half of my body. 45, they're hey, you want to be a stunt double? No. <laughs> but you walk just like this other actor. Because he's broken everything too? <laughs> Yes, and they want him to continue working. <laughs> well, good news. Nobody's going to offer me that? Yes, you rarely walk out of Starbucks. <laughs> yeah. The guy Mulder was chasing turns out to be a graffiti tagger. Mulder is annoyed that he chased the wrong guy, but leaves him alone. Look, it can be done. Wow. Good job, Mulder. Yeah. Speaking of leaving things alone, bad gun etiquette Scully strikes again. Oh my gosh, yes. So, Scully leaves her gun behind and... Just on the floor. Right next to Ellen while she goes to the bathroom to get supplies to see what she could do to help. But in Canto, hidden in the scariest of all places, behind the closed shower curtain, Mm -hmm. attacks Scully in the bathroom. And Ellen shoots him with the gun that Scully left behind. Just left behind. On the floor. Loose. Loose guns everywhere. Just left behind like Kirk Cameron. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to say that? Two seconds. <laughs> My note I wrote about this was, Go Ellen! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Yes. She fucking rocks. In Cuyahoga County Jail, one week later in Canto, his skin mottled and curdling confesses to 47 murders in five states. It's insane that they just happened to pull all 47 of his victims out of the how many people go missing every year. I think we actually got that number once, didn't we? Yeah, I think so. But the missing people's number is not accurate because when somebody is reported missing and then they come back, you don't call up the hotline and be like, never mind, they're back. But if they go missing again, you call the hotline and say, hey, they're missing. And so now they're counted as two missing people. I thought that was just teenagers. People. It's a lot of it is teenagers, but Mm. um, yeah, I don't know how many people go missing. But yeah, they pulled exactly his 47 victims and he just goes, they're all mine. He insists he's no monster, that he gave them what they wanted and they gave him what he needed. And then in Italian, he adds, the dead are no longer lonely. Okay, if you say so, buddy. Because they're dead. Well, I often say that when I die, I'm going to miss you. And you won't. I will. I tell you that because I knew the Italian saying, (laughs) the dead are no longer lonely. The ancient Italian saying. Oh, one last bit of trivia. The story is vaguely similar to Star Trek The Man Trap from 1966, the first Star Trek production ever aired, although not the first one filmed. Right. The first one filmed was The Menagerie. That sounds right. I think that's right. It was a two-parter. All right. Who are you shipping? Oof. Uh, 
think I'm going with a repeat here, sort of a repeat here. Uh, Ellen and someone nice. Yeah, I decided Ellen and her true self. Mm. One that's not bogged down by the bullshit of society. Oh, wow. Because she's doing a whole lot of stuff that society is telling her to do. And in reality, Ellen's a goddamn badass. Oh. And if she would just... Trust herself. Trust herself. Fuck, her life could be amazing. So, I want her to grab onto that. Yeah. And just have an amazing life. She's got friends. She, I don't know what she does for a job, but she's got an apartment, so she seems fine. She goes out. She has all kinds of stuff. I want Ellen to reunite with herself. Okay. How are you surviving? I'm going to use the erg more often. And oh, <laughs> I was like... Slim down. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, weight. how does cardio... <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. I got it. I'm just not dating. Just, oh, I'm glad to hear <laughs> It's really going to help out with a whole lot of, yeah. of potential problems. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, all right, well, till next week. <laughs> Keep watching the stars. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I can't even think of a new one anymore. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at CastFiles. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at TheCastFiles. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a tea Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal6. Logo by Art. That's O-O-K-A-R-T. Is it my name's Too Shy and I'm here to... Mic. I'll put a nice beat under that. You should.